This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Masters of Mixology. If you've been to Segerfield in the past few seasons, then you've seen Gus and his troop of bartenders serving fans all over the stadium. Well, they all work for the same company, and man, is it a cool one. Masters of Mixology are an everything-you-need, on-the-go bartender service. If you have a party or an event coming up, the Masters of Mixology will bring the bar, the bartender, and the supplies to you. All you need to do is bring the guests and have a good time. They pride themselves in their hospitality and their commitment to excellence in all things from curated cocktails and wine tastings to classroom-style events and a more personalized experience for you and your guest. Also, they offer short-term staffing solutions for understaffed restaurants and bars with a massive knowledge base of classic cocktails. So next time you have a need for a well-shaken cocktail, then don't just hire a bartender, hire a master of mixology. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Next In Line podcast under the RFK Refugees Sports Network umbrella. And I am Adam Davis coming at you with a formal final episode of the season. Um, not having uh, thrown out an episode in the last couple weeks for a number of reasons. Things are just kind of getting hectic right now. Um, and it's also hard to get motivated, you know, as the team has slipped into or out of contention for the USL Championship playoffs. Um, if you are just in love with this sport and this league, you know, you can check out, I think that the Loudoun Stampede has done a bit of a, a playoff who to watch kind of uh, article in their most recent newsletter. If you're not tuned in to the Loudoun Stampede's newsletter, then you're wrong. Um, but check that out. Um, I'm not going to really unpack all that. I'm going to talk about uh, Loudoun. I'm going to talk about the last couple games. I'm not going to talk about the last couple. I'm going to just tell you what happened the last couple games. You can Google what happened the last few games. Um, I'll just tell you right now. Uh, we, we drew against Charleston. That was a bummer. We lost to Louisville, and, and that officially uh, solidified our in a 1-2 to loss at home. Um, that, that solidified our um, not making the playoffs, which I think we kind of known now for six or seven weeks. Just the, the, the hill was too high to climb. Um, and then we had losses to Tampa and Detroit, D- Tampa, who were in the process of securing a, a top seed and Detroit, who are in the fight for a playoff spot right now. Uh, that, that huge uh, three goal win over us away for them you know, at Seger Field uh, is going to really play into uh, dictating how the Eastern Conference shakes out in the final week. Um, there is one more match to go. Uh, I, I compel everyone to go and watch it, um, to go and, and check it out. There's going to be a, speaking of Loudon Stampede, there will be a Loudon Stampede viewing party that will be at Anchor Bar, which is a new and amazing bar. Um, they're not paying me. They're not giving me beers to say that. I just had a lot of fun at the watch parties I have been to there so far. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, to lots and lots of Stampede events there next season. But check out Anchor Bar over in, in Leesburg. Um, and, and yeah, check out that match on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday against the RGV Toros. Um, yeah, there you go. So I kind of want to do this episode as a season review, you know, kind of like I do normal episodes on actual matches where I do, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I want to talk about like what went wrong, what went right. Um, I'm going to tell you all what I believe 
we should do contract wise uh, with with players who who I think we should keep and who I think we should show the door. Um, and then I'm gonna di- dole out the the team and player superlatives of the year, and that's gonna end with who I believe the player of the year is. Um, so yeah, so so, so jump right right into it is uh, the the season season review. Um, you know, first off, what went wrong, right? This list can go on and on and on. Um, I don't think we ever really had a stable midfield. Uh, you know, when, when some players were playing well, others weren't. Uh, we only had one player who was consistently good in, in the midfield. That was, uh, that was Landry. Um, and, and he wasn't always available because he liked to set records on the amount of yellow cards he would pick up, which would uh, <laughs> force uh, nasty suspensions. Um, we only had two wins the entire second half of the season uh, when we were certainly still in contention. The Eastern Conference was was pretty level. Uh, we we really kind of let the pack extend their gap on us. Um, those wins were against the worst teams in the league, wins, wins we needed to have. Uh, Hartford and Las Vegas, uh, despite not beating Hartford away, losing, getting shut out by them um, away earlier in the season, uh, we drew Detroit, you know, in, in a good away match. Uh, we drew Memphis 901, which was, I think, a, a pretty good performance. Uh, we drew Charleston Battery, which, uh, you know, is a very, very strong, uh, heavy attacking, very um, big midfielded team. Um, so that, those were good. But, but I mean, the second half of the season included losses to Charleston, losses, two losses to Louisville, a loss to Orange County, a loss to Miami, San Diego, Sacramento, Indy, Pittsburgh, Tampa, and of course Detroit. Um, and unknown how RGB Toros will play out. I think that probably the, the the steam is probably gone in a lot of the players for this season. Whereas RGB Toros is still in the playoff conversation in the West because the West is so level. Um, so, you know, it's 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 tough. It's tough that you, you can't you cannot stay in the conversation with only two wins out of a half of an entire season. So. Uh, total total collapse there in the end. Um, I think there were about two to three critical moments in the season that really kind of dictated uh, how this was going to go, how, how the season was going to end, and, and how we were going to end another season uh, playoff list and, and kind of toward the end of the, the bottom of the table across the league and, and arguably being one of the worst teams in the league uh, table-wise. Because um, I don't think we are talent-wise, but I say that every year, right? Um, the first was the losses that occurred immediately after the Flower City Union game. Coming to the Flower City Union, we were so excited. We were, you know, on this run and this, you know, winning run coming to the U.S. Open, and things were still exciting. We had, uh, we were, we were well up in the table, and then we went out to a Phoenix Rising team that was drastically underperforming in the start of the season, and were sitting toward the bottom of the table and. Um, we got thrashed by them. We absolutely just put up a miserable performance. I don't know if players just didn't sleep or what was going on, but um, they didn't look good. Uh, we, we 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 coupled that with you know playing Indy Eleven, who also started the season miserably, um, and we got beat up by them um, as well. And uh, oh, that was a home match too. And then we turned right around, and I think that maybe the the second. Uh, critical moment that that really kind of shook us as a team and de- defined the season was following those two matches was a, a, a whatever the round of 16 or maybe round of 32 match against Columbus Crew in the U.S. Open Cup um, and uh, we got a goal now that was great thanks Khalil uh, for the penalty but uh, we got thrashed uh, they they threw five goals past us and they honestly stopped trying to score it looked like 
they beat us up pretty bad and um yeah uh we we ended up signing one of their players on loan um jake morris but other than that you know there really wasn't uh any great to be had there uh, that was so massive for us because of the loss of Gasau Samake Samake got a red card pretty early in that game really dictated the play you know they very quickly got a, a set playoff of on us and, and that red card and caused uh, a penalty and everything you know we all know how it all plays out but um, Samake never donned a, a loud United jersey again DC United recalled him and uh, we never saw him and he was you know, obviously Zach Ryan was the goal scoring machine at that point in the season, but he was arguably our best player because he was the best statistic player. I mean, he was the best, the highest rated player we had. Um, he was extremely consistent, and we just had this massive hole at left back that we were never able to really fill, fill again. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But um, the, the final straw, I think, came later in the season. We, we went through a patch of. Um, after those three losses, we had uh, five more losses after that to El Paso, New Mexico, Hartford, Pittsburgh, and Monterey Bay, um, some of which we were in, the majority of which we just weren't in the conversation in those matches. Um, we also lost Panos Aranakis in that time, um, and it took us a long, long time to, to get to get you know a, a player back of his caliber that could kind of do what he was doing, and I'll talk about that. But um, we, we had some hope with wins against Tulsa and Miami, and it really wasn't until the San Diego Loyal match. We were in the conversation. Maybe we were clawing on for hope uh, points-wise for that final playoff position. But uh, in the second half of the season, uh, I believe toward like maybe end of July, early August, we had a match against, uh, I think it was early August, against San Diego Loyal away. And we dominated the match. We were winning. And in the last seconds of the game, just gave up two very dumb, very, you know, laps in, in – um, in, in, in mindset and, and, and everything, uh, goals. And San Diego Little stole those three points from us when we ha should have had them. You know, the draw uh, the draw we had against Memphis, a win against San Diego Loyal, and then the win we got against Las Vegas. And suddenly we've got our heads up going into the roughest part of the season, you know, with Sacramento, Indy, and Pittsburgh coming up um, in, in all of matches that we, we were definitely in for a good part of. I, I think that that was the final nail in the coffin and I know that it was it was another month and a half until we were actually eliminated against Louisville but that that loss to San Diego Loyal really took what wind we had out of our sails um even the win against Las Vegas wasn't enough of a semblance to kind of give us hope for a playoff run um the, the second big thing I would say is where we went wrong is Ryan fizzled out uh, I don't know Zach Ryan I don't know if he was uh, kind of nursing an injury. He came on and off in the first half of the season, and we, we saw him here and there. Uh, and then we just started kind of shoving him into the front, into roles that he wasn't being fed the ball, especially after Panos was gone. Uh, we didn't have that creativity coming out of the midfield to, to give him an opportunity to make runs, to, to finish balls. And um, no one really was, uh, you know, you look at like right now, you know, it's October, right? So baseball's on. So to, to use the, the baseball analogy, the the bats were getting cold. His leg got cold and he just stopped throwing goals and no one really stepped up and uh, filled that role until way later in the season where Khalil started ripping in goals left and right. Um, again, don't know if it was an injury. Don't know what happened, but I don't know if it was the Panos thing because it started before Panos left. But um, another thing that went wrong was the Panos trade. I, I don't think it was a bad thing to trade him to sell him especially if the, the the team was able to recoup some money and especially if he was kind of uh causing issues in the locker room i think you got to preserve the the team mentality while you can 
Um, but he was a true playmaking midfielder, something that, uh, of which we have looked for, have not really been able to find uh, for a long time in, in, in our in our uh, league. And uh, we didn't, we couldn't find a, a replacement for him until Chris Hagart was loaned to us by Charlotte way later in the season, not until September, right? So um, maybe August, I don't know. But either way, uh, that's too long to go without the true creativity being played. And at times, I think Landry was able to do that, but it, it's not his most comfortable role. It's not what he does best. Um, and he, we couldn't keep on the field because of because of cards. Um, so, you know, Hopkins came on and looked like he was going to provide some consistency, but he almost played more like a center forward instead of creating more opportunities. He became kind of the goal scorer in that patch of, of games, uh, scoring four, four goals, I believe, um, across like 12 games in the middle of the season before Khalil really stepped up and, and, uh, went on fire. Um, and then of course losing Samake was, gosh, that was just such a critical moment in, um, in the season. And, and, um, you know, I, I talk about the, the Columbus loss, but you know, the loss was one thing, whatever. It was the open cup. We didn't think we were going to win the open cup, but it was so much fun to get it, get that run. Um, but you know, losing Samake was just, it, it created this massive, massive problem at left back that I kind of hinted to a second ago at times, Abdul Zane kind of showed that he, the, the best promise of any player in that position. Um, Rocha never really played well in that position. Uh, he played better when he was in right back, uh, you know, it goes to show it, it's it's very critical. You know, those two positions are very different, even though they're both fullback positions. Um, Kwame Aua really was never fit. He kind of came on in the last minutes, in the dying 20, 30 minutes. Played a great game on what he did come on against Detroit City, but, it, you know, the game was already over. Um, we'll maybe see him against RGB Toros. We'll maybe see him next season. More on that to come. But um, Kawanda played at left back for pretty much the entire the last third of the season and was not good there. Uh, I think Kawanda had had showed uh, glimpses of promise, but his size he just kind of he, he got bullied in that left back role. Um, and uh, Koa, I think I think Koa would have been nice to see there, but he never they never never moved him from right back. Uh, I think that's probably because for for all of Koa's successes, his defense was not his strong suit. Um, and, and so maybe, you know, figuring out, I, I think that I thought that originally when they signed Jake Morris, that he was going to play at left back and he never really did. He did a little bit for a game here and there, um, but only for a part of the game before that, uh, that, that, that Ryan Martin shift, uh, you know, jumped in there and, and, and he moved up into an attacking role, which where he was really, really effective, but, um, that's a bummer. Green, green, Jacob Greeny was only around for one match. Um, so Obviously, that didn't that didn't fit it. We just never really, you know, could fill that left back role, and that was especially in Ryan Martin's offense and, and how he likes to feed the ball up the wings. It just w was never there. I, I really wish we could have just told DC to f off um, and say we're keeping Samake. I know they had a, a left back crisis of their own, left mid crisis of their own, but he just died there on the on the bench. Um, you know, they're, they're watching this, this highly talented, huge upside fullback, just kind of sit there and, and, and just rot away on, on the bench instead of giving him minutes at the professional level. Um, and now I'm sure he'll probably get shown the door. Maybe Loudon will get a chance to sign him, but realistically he'll get shown the door and we'll all get to watch, uh, from the sidelines, proverbially speaking, uh, this player succeed in another Jersey. And that is an absolute bummer. Um, so yeah, uh, you know the final thing I'd say that where we went wrong is uh, the, the just the, all the injuries. You know, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I, you can maybe have a better training staff, may, maybe have better have uh, better medical, uh, you know, staff or, or equipment or 
whatever. You know, I don't know. I'm not. I'm no no doctor. I'm not gonna say how that should be played out. But we, our injuries killed us on the back line, especially. Um, I don't think we ever really had a really substantially amazing midfield until, you know, especially when Panos left, and maybe not until Chris Hegart kind of came around, even though he's been playing more on the wings. Um, but the back line, we had. I don't know how many combinations, but probably the, one of the most in the league in combinations for that back line. It was especially in just center back pairings. Um, and it was never really <clears throat> as good as it was when in the beginning of the season, when it was either uh, Learman and Turner or, or, or uh, Learman and Washington. And um, I, it's just a bummer. You know, we lost Learman for a good chunk, and he was arguably our best center back in the season. So. Um, and then Turner kind of played in different roles where I don't think he succeeded as well in midfield roles. I think he was better in his partnership with Learman, but Washington was too good to just you know sit on the bench. Uh, it, it was just tough. It's just tough. Um, what went right? I truly believe this is the best team that Loudon has ever fielded for an entire season. Um, I think that's that's demonstrated through this is the latest you know run that we've ever made to the playoffs. I th I think that. Uh, five games before the end of the season or six games before the end of the season in 2019 is when we were eliminated. We, we finished higher on the table that year because we ended up just winning out. Um, you know, we, we, we signed a new striker last minute and uh, <laughs> won those games out and upset a lot of people's seasons. But um, this was three games before the end of the season, four games before the end of the season. So not, not a huge difference, but, um, it, you know, we, we definitely performed down the stretch better or at least we got a lot of enough points in the beginning and uh maybe not perform down the stretch but you know we're not going to finish in last place that's uh that's between vegas and and, and hartford and, and their respective conferences so that's nice uh, i would argue we're third from the bottom though in the entire league so that's a bummer um but what went right i mean you know we 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 kept we kept uh we kept it interesting and I think that that's, that's exciting. I think that there are a lot of players on here uh, on our roster that we're going to want to really keep around. I'm going to talk about that here next. Um, and that goes to show, I think that in years past, the, the, the list of players I'd wanted to stick around probably was like three or four players, of which maybe all or half of were DC United loan players, meaning like just hoping that we'd get them back players like uh, Ted Cudi Pietro in the, in the past, you know, um, there were few shining lights, whereas now there are tons of them. Um, and I'll run down that list. Uh, so, you know, these are my opinions. These are not the opinions of the, the, the team. I, you know, we'll talk about contracts actually. So let's do that. So this is the first season, I believe in Loudon history that they're offering, they've offered more than single year contracts. I think that, um, single or, or, or short term contracts has kind of been the, it's how the majority of the league operates, but it's definitely how Loudon operated. This is the first time that's that's shifted. I do not know for sure who has a long-term contract, long-term being two years. I could probably guess. I'd probably guess Kwame Uwa does. I'd probably guess um, Wesley Leggett, maybe Zach Ryan, uh, maybe Giannis Learman. Um, I don't really know, though. Those are just guesses. And I, I can make those guesses based on like language that like the team has used. Um, on their Twitter, you know, things like the best is yet to come and whatnot, or can't wait for next year, uh, or the players, you know, same thing. So, um, and that, that, that doesn't mean anything that may, may mean they're just like, hopeful to be around next year or something like that. So, um, I also think that Alex Negi is a name that probably was on a two year contract, um, being signed from DC United, but, um, so I'm going to say the, the keep list, and this is in no particular order. So don't let this dictate how you think the, the, the player superlatives are going to go in the next segment. Um, number one, Cole Turner, uh, when, when we lost him early on, it, it was 
the biggest hit of the season in the first half, uh, you know, losing the injury. Him coming back made an immediate difference. Uh, he, I don't think he was ever as good as he was in the first half. I don't know if he was just kind of was rushed back or what happened, but um, I'd like to see Cole Turner back. I'd like to see him play in a more defensive role than a midfield role. I think I like to think our, our midfield is a little more uh, focused on next year in, in the offseason. Um, Zach Ryan, I've been very critical of Zach Ryan down the stretch and his, you know, lacking goal scoring, uh, but I don't know if it's an injury. I'd like to see another chance given to him. Um, I'd like to see him throw another, you know, two double-digit uh, goal-scoring seasons and and then see him move up to the next level. Um, I, I'm sure that, especially in the first half of the season, D.C. had their eyes on him and were drooling, I'm sure. And that interest may have died, and I'm sure he'd like to get that back, you know, at D.C. or some other MLS team. Um, Nanana Salandri, consistency in the midfield, was critical for us and he was the only one who really provided it even when you know he often missed games um Harvey Neville I know he's on loan right now but his contract's up with Miami and I think that uh with Inter Miami I think that with his father being sacked as the the coach over there um I know sacked is a harsh term but it's the British term and he's he's uh he's English so I'll use it um I'm, I'm sure he's gonna get looks elsewhere but I think he performed pretty darn well at right back I'd like to see him get another chance um he's young i like that even though i want some older players next season they can be expensive um and uh yeah that, that adds a whole bunch of other factors abdul zane i don't know that he has a chance of getting brought back because he's been around for a little bit um but man he's good um there's just so much upside with him and i think he got injured there in the back end of the season and he really uh, I, that really robbed us all robbed him um because he was just doing so well and that's why he lost that starting spot um, Chris Haggart, I know also kind of similar to Harvey Neville. He is probably gonna get looks elsewhere. His contract's up with Charlotte. He's a lone player. If we can afford him, I think he would be amazing to keep around. But that, that, the big question is both for Harvey and Chris, can we afford to keep them? Um, Khalil El Medkar, of course, we want to keep him. He's just been on fire down the stretch. And, uh, of all the players, I think that have a huge likelihood that they will find, um, opportunities at the next level. I think he's probably the highest on that list. So don't hold your breath on, on Khalil, but we'd love to love to see him back. Alex Nagy, I think, could have solved all of our midfield problems, or at least the majority of them, had he been healthy. Um, but an early before season injury uh, kept that from happening. So uh, he, of course, missed out. But I think him, him being around, I'd like to keep him around and see what he can do next year. Giannis Learman is another name I think that performed very well down the stretch. We lost to injury, um, but was, in my opinion, our best center back uh, that we had. So I'd like to see Giannis, uh, Yanni, Giannis come back. Um, Kwame Uwa was my nod in the beginning of the season to, to be captain. And um, just because of his experience, his veteran experience playing in the, the, the Canadian leagues as well as uh, across the U.S. and MLS. And so I, I would like to see him back. I'd like to see what he can do more than just the, <clears throat> you know, 30 minutes he's gotten this season and potentially another 90 against RGV. If, if he gets the start, I doubt he will. Um, you hope to protect him if they are going to try to do something long-term. Maybe they're just going to see what he, he is capable of to re-sign. Jace Clark, uh, the young center back slash fullback slash kind of uh, moving around everywhere back. Um, I think he's got an NCAA deal, 
but if he doesn't, I'd love to see him back. That would be very wicked. Um, I'm undecided about Dane Jackman, Jackman and Hugo Ferro. Uh, I think one of them should be kept. I don't know which one. I think Dane down the stretch it was probably the better goalkeeper, but Hugo has a little more veteran experience and kind of is able to talk a little better, maybe a little more leadership. Um, I really wish we just picked one and stuck with one down the season. Uh, I think that we swapped them after the the alternate had had good performances, and that's really tough to do for the mindset of, of a goalkeeper. Um, it, it's kind of like the when, when you have uh, multiple running backs, right, in in in, uh, in a football an American football team. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure who we keep, but uh, I there's there's definitely an issue at goalkeeper that has to be has to be addressed next season. Um, I'm not sure that keeping the two of them is the right decision. I think keeping one and maybe bringing in somebody else would be, would be the right move. Aiden Rocha. I'm not decided about, I think he actually did really well when he played um, Bryce Washington. Same. I, I'm undecided. I think he did really well, but um, I think that we're going to have to watch some players leave. Um, Wesley Leggett. I, I think I'd like to see him come back next year. I'd like to see him be given more opportunities. I just feel like when he came off the bench, he was just so good when he when he was starting, he wasn't good. It was just very unfortunate. I'd like to see him continue to refine his game. Um, I almost want to see him play in like League One uh, for like a really fast, you know, high speed offense and see what he can play, do for a year. But obviously, we're not in a position to be loaning players out like that. And then there's the sell and allow to walk. Nelson Martinez, I don't know. There was a panic signing. I don't think that he really panned out, got injured pretty quickly, you know. Love to see him come back and, and do well, but I just don't think it's going to be with us. Uh, Juan Ramirez, didn't see enough of him, kind of sat in reserves for too long. Jake Morris, um, I liked the, the, the call to sign him. I liked the idea to bring him in. I don't think he was used in a position that we needed help in, but um, I don't think there's any reason to bring him back. Jeremy Gray has just not been who Jeremy Gray once was. I don't think he wants to play for us, and so I don't think I want us to, to re-sign him. Um, I don't know what his future looks like. I don't think that his performance is indicative of one that DC is going to want to keep him around again because he was a lone player still. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure about, about Garay, but that's unfortunate because I've been very high on him over the years. Tommy Williamson, maybe it's not fair to put him here. I think I'll probably get a lot of flack from, from Stampede members who listen to this because uh, he's very loved by, by uh, the fan base. Um, I just think that he was not a consistent striker and really didn't put the numbers up that you'd want to keep, get get from your number nine. Um, even though he has the he has the tangibles, he has the size. Coa Santos um, probably gonna get some flack from this one too. Stampede's got a great song um, chant about him. I don't think they really got to debut because he got injured. Um, but I just I didn't love his defending as much. I liked his leadership. Uh, I wouldn't be bummed if he was kept around. Let's put it that way. Uh, Abdul Kawanda. He had some good performances, but um, he was just too little, got bullied. I don't think that um, bringing him back for another season is the right call unless it's done on a very, very you know cheap deal. Um, Isaac Spinal, never really got to see the guy. You know, unfortunate. He's very little, but very fast. Um, had a couple opportunities to kind of get in behind defenses and, and wasn't able to do anything with them. Daniel Chica, another player who... He had some pretty darn good games, but the majority of his performances were, were subpar. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to be more than a depth player next year. I, again, just like um, like Koa, I wouldn't mind if he's brought back, um, but I don't think he will be. So that's that's the rundown of the team. Um, 
probably missed a player or two. I don't know. I'm going mostly off my head in some notes, but yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see who gets brought back next season. I'm excited already for the 2024 season and um, all the changes that are going to happen that I'm hearing are going to happen at the stadium with the team, with, with how contracts are going to be built out. we got new jerseys coming. Um, not, not the state of New Jersey. We've got new uh, <laughs> team jerseys with, with what I'm hearing. It's going to be a really, really nifty third jersey too, our first ever um, I guess we had those, those black kits in the beginning. Um, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to not have some generic template jersey from Adidas, and that will be that'll be good stuff. Um, so let's see here. Let's talk about team and player superlatives. Um, I'm gonna go in opposite order of uh, not of importance, but maybe of of interest to people. I'm gonna end with the player of the year. Um, so starting off with the team performance of the season, that's I'm going to give that to the 3-1 to one comeback win over FC Tulsa at home. Um, you got to give an honorable mention to the 3-0 thrashing that we did over Birmingham Legion um, in the fifth match of the season. But just that comeback win um, at home against FC Tulsa was too awesome to, to not, you know, not give it to. You know, yeah, we had a 3-0 win also over... Um, uh, let's see, Las Vegas, but who cares? You know, that was late in the season, and they're a team that we needed to beat. And we also beat uh, Flower City Union 5-0. What a great game that was, right? Um, but it's Flower City Union. We, we, we have to be beating these teams, so <clears throat> that's okay. Uh, individual performance of the season. We started the season so great. It just all fell apart from there, right? The Memphis 901 game had some great performances, but most notably of all was Zach Ryan's Week 1 performance against them. He had two goals and an assist and absolutely got robbed of Player of the Week award um, by the league. Um, and also, I'm pretty sure should have had two assists, but got, got called off sides. It was a, an assist to Khalil Ahmedkar. <coughs> that was very much not off sides. So, like, just a great, great performance. Um, overall, I think I had a, a, over a 9 um, rating on our scale, and I think Flat Mob had him at a 9.2. So, yeah, all um, downhill from there. <laughs> no, I think there are plenty of games, but good games uh, after that. But uh, it certainly, it was that that was that was it. That was the the individual performance of the season to to Zach Ryan there in week one. Uh, save of the season, going with Dane Jackman's uh, save versus Las Vegas Lights. <clears throat> I am a sucker for penalty saves, and, and so the save of the season is going to go to that. There were so many great saves this season. We got multiple nods, nominations. And, and wins for uh, saves of the week across the league. <clears throat> but that one was so huge. We were still in playoff contention at the point. You know, it, it is a huge opportunity to choke. We were only winning by a goal. And that save spurred us on to go and score two more, more and, and really uh, make a statement win over Las Vegas away. So for him to do that is just absolute ice in the vein. So, so uh, heads up, uh, Dane, on that. Great save. Goal of the season, oh my gosh, there were a bunch of them in the running, and all of them just got knocked away when Khalil El Medkar scored that goal against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in a loss on September 9th. Just a screamer from outside the box, might have been just inside the box, but just had, <clears throat> it was one of those, you know, you're, you're watching the game and you're like, no, don't shoot, and then you're like, oh, yeah, thanks for shooting. So that was just great. Um, honorable mention to Khalil El Medkar's goal versus Sacramento in another loss on August 19th. It was really great because it was in honor of his late mother on the United Against Cancer night. Um, so <clears throat> all the feels for that match and that goal. But his goal against Pittsburgh is the goal of the season. Uh, most improved player of the year. 
Uh, I think a lot of players probably don't want this award, uh, but I'm going to give it anyways. And I think it goes to Dane Jackman. Jackman, he uh, started off pretty rough, but ended, I think, as in my opinion, as the better of the two number ones. Didn't get a ton of opportunities early on also, but um, he got a lot more in the later end. And uh, I think I think put, put up... Uh, the best overall performance as, as ours. He got two man of the matches, which is the same amount of man of the matches as, um, as Hugo, but, uh, he had, uh, I, I think the best overall performance on the night for any night, which was the Las Vegas game where he got that, uh, penalty save, uh, utility player of the year. This is a weird one. <clears throat> I kind of created, uh, but it, it kind of goes to the player who played the most roles, who did the most things. Um, I got to give honorable mention to Abdul Zane, who played at left wing, right wing, left wing back, and left back in multiple different formations and roles. But the actual award is going to go to Aiden Rocha, who played center mid, <clears throat> central defensive mid, center back at one point uh, due to injury or red card. I can't remember. He played left back. He played right back. He got moved over there when they started moving Koa up into a right wing position. And he also played right wing for a little bit too, I think slightly after Koa's uh, injury. So um, let's talk about the positions he didn't play. Left wing, striker, and goalkeeper. That is it, guys. This guy was everywhere um, on the field and honestly was one of our, was hands down one of our top 10 players, um, which, you know, I know there's only 11 players on the field. But we had a lot more than 11 players on the team. Um, arguably top, top six, I'd say probably somewhere top five, maybe even, <clears throat> I don't know if he's top five, but he, he had a great outing, uh, despite being absolutely just thrown around in a different position. So, uh, props up to, to Aiden. Um, and, uh, that was, that was just awesome to see him succeed across the entire field. So, uh, get some gloves in the off season. If we resign you, I want to see you in goal. Um, people's choice award. This one, I don't choose. So this is kind of y'all's opportunity to say, Hey, uh, dummy, th- you know, we, we didn't like your picks. We're picking this. Those that voting is currently underway. Uh, the way it works is it's a 12, uh, kind of like a 12 team team, but you know, 12 seed, <clears throat> um, bracket in a sense. Uh, whereas all the players based on both the ratings that we provide here at the next in line podcast, uh, combined with the ratings on FOTMOB, uh, which is a great rating website, uh, for, for players, those are kind of combined and seeded out <clears throat> one through 12. And, um, and then the, I think it's five through 12 are all going to be voted on first. <clears throat> and the, the top two of those two four person, <laughs> it's going to sound so crazy, uh, votes are going to make it into the, the, the top eight bracket. Um, those seeds are uh, based on ratings again. Now, this is not giving you who the player of the year is or anything like that. Um, number one is uh, Landry. Number two is Khalil. Three is Santos. And four are Learman. You can consider them to have like a week one buy um, on the bracket. Uh, after that, you got Zach Ryan at five, uh, six was Rocha, seven, Turner, eight, Washington, Zane, nine, 10 was Tommy Williamson, uh, 11 was Dane Jackman, and 12 sneaking in there in the, the final spot is Hugo Furrow. So <clears throat> go out there and vote. It is on the Next In Line podcast. Instagram is where you can get all the explanations, but the voting is also going to be tallied from the Next In Line podcast Twitter slash X. Uh, you can vote on both if you really want to, um, but uh, I would compel you to also at the same time give us a follow uh, in those two locations if you are uh, 
so uh, feel like you need to. Um, all right, now down to the two biggest awards of you know, superlatives of the season: um, the Young Player of the Year and the Player of the Year. Um, young Player of the Year goes to 20 and under. I probably should have done under 20. <clears throat> it would have eliminated the person though I, I gave it to. Uh, so uh, there you go. You got a little hint. Um, if you know our players' ages. But we have a very young team, and so probably could have gone for a younger um, name. Um, I'm going to do these in opposite order and just say who the honorable mention, if any, are. First one is uh, honorable mention would be Jackson Hopkins, who only played 12 games, and I think I'm kind of holding that against him. It's really not fair. In those 12 games, he had four goals and an assist. Honestly, had the overall better rating, the better performance, but didn't play through the entire season, and the player who I gave Young Player of the Year award to did, and his name is Abdul Zane. Um, 20 years old, had a 6.6, 6.7 rating, I think, between the two scales. Uh, only had assist on the on the on the season, but had so many take ons, had lots of dribbles, and uh, provided a lot of attacking opportunities. Um, also played a number of different roles too, so I, I'm giving it to, to him. Um, you know, we can we can have him arm wrestle for it. Uh, there's no trophy, so it's just a, a mention on a silly podcast. So um, that's that's it, who it's going to. Now, player of the year was between three players. Um, I'm going to talk about those three players before I tell you who actually won it. Um, first on that list of players was Zach Ryan. Um, I gave him four man of the match performances on the season. He had an overall 6.9 rating, 10 goals. He's the first double-digit goal scorer for Loud United since our inaugural 2019 season where we had two of them. But still, um, it was his consistency down the stretch that hurt him, as I've mentioned a million times already in this episode. He had three assists on the season to, to add to those 10 goals, um, and he did score late in the season. Uh, it was a pretty wonderful goal, actually, too. It was reminiscent of Didier Drogba in the 2020, 2012, oh my gosh, 2012 Champions League final. If you're a, a fan of that match against Bayern Munich, um, then you'll you'll know the, the header goal I'm talking about, just an absolute screamer. But still, um, you got Zach Ryan was, was one of the three finalists for player of the year that I, I listed. And the other two were Khalil Al-Medkar. Um, and Anana Salandri. And so I'm going to tell you right now, it was between the two of them. Spoiler. Zach Ryan, I think, finished third in the Player of the Year conversation, despite all of those goals. Um, both Anana Salandri had five man-of-the-match performances on the season. Both of them finished with an overall 7.3 rating. They were just consistently better players down the stretch and throughout the season. Um, Landry had one goal and two assists. 25 chances created, 40 tackles won, 42 interceptions, but he had yellow yellow cards galore, 11 of them. I think was one of the highest yellow-carded player in the entire league. But he was probably our most reliable player. He was <clears throat> all faithful in the midfield when nothing else was working. If we had a bad game, you knew you could look at his stat line and say, but look at what Landry did. Um... The hardest part about Landry was keeping him out there on the pitch and uh, away from suspensions. Of note, Hassan, uh, Nanana Salandri was our 2022 most improved player of the season. So that's pretty cool to see him having come back and, and built upon that that nod. Khalil Medkar, on the other hand, came through when we needed it. And um, I, I think, well, it was it was it's a tough one, you know. 
he never really formed a solid partnership with any attacking player up top. Um, I think that Penos's minutes early in the season kind of limited his opportunities, <clears throat> even though he still played a lot of minutes with Panos um, out in the left. I think that uh, he, where, where Panos worked well with Zach Ryan, um, Khalil succeeded in the absence of that, that role because he was able to kind of get in behind a striker at times and, and rotate around. He was kind of an everybody attacker, uh, could do it all, um, but just didn't kind of hover in goal like you'd see a number nine do, and that's not what was asked of him. He finished it the, the season with uh, eight goals and five assists, 35 chances created, 10 more than, than Landry. And so I think it's for that reason, stat line-wise, that, I'm going to give the player of the year to Khalil Elmedkar. Um, so big, big props to to the youngster um, coming out of Texas. And uh, you, you hope that you see we see him again. Um, but as I kind of said earlier, I think of all the players who have the opportunity to probably move up to the next level, he's going to be top of the list. Uh, so, you know, but but hey, if we can keep him around, I, I think there's there's big hope for for growth. Uh, and, and to build an attack around uh, around him because he is that kind of player. He's the, the the number ten type quality that you could build a team around, and uh, and you'd love to see that if if you if you're a fan of Loudon, if you're a fan of uh, and you're you're hoping to see a, a playoff run next season. So that is it. Um, if you have not yet, again, check out uh, the Next in Line podcast on Instagram and on Twitter slash X, whichever you prefer to call it. I don't really care, but. Check us out. Uh, the voting is underway. Today is the 12th, so the second round of voting is going to begin on the 13th. And I don't know. You just there's a whole description on there. You know, I'm I'm not going to be super detailed. I'm going to do it when I have time to to throw votes up there. So just pay attention. Give us a follow. Um, you'll see it on the story and 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 vote for who you think uh, should win People's Choice Award, and you'll find out if you're following who won. Um, that's all from me. Uh, you know, if I get a chance to do another roundup uh, episode and kind of talk about the RGV Toros, then I will. But I don't know that I will. Uh, this could very well be the final episode of the 2023 season. Um, keep a keep a lookout, and uh, you know, I'll do more episodes in the future about the where are they now segments. <clears throat> There's plenty of players. That I didn't get a chance to get to this year. Um, this is a pretty long episode, so I'm definitely not going to do it on on this. Uh, and I anticipated that. So you know, as news comes down, and I anticipate some immediately when the season ends about Loudon, I'll have plenty of information out there. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot um, to be excited about it with this franchise and what uh, is up and coming and over the horizon for us. So uh, so stay tuned. Um, you know, keep keep on checking in on us and. Uh, We'll do the same, you know, and uh, be posting information. There's still some good stuff out of the academy that Adam Mendelovitz will will be sharing. And, and also, if you are or are considering being a Loudon Stampede member, then check out their end-of-season party. They usually do a little bit of a, a shindig. Um, they try to line it up with uh, a, a U.S. Uh, men's national team or a U.S. women's national team match so you get something to watch while you're hanging out and having a beverage of your choice. Um, check out that watch party that they're going to be throwing at Anchor Bar. And, uh, yeah. I have had a fun time this season talking to all y'all, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to me. So that's all for now, and uh, I'll see you next time out here.